Ladies and gentlemen, you know what that sound means. It means it's episode 196 of the Personal Arrogance Podcast, brought to you by the Bald Move Network. I am one of your hosts. My name is Eric Walquist, and joining me this week, as he does each and every week, is the other host of the show. His name is... I'm Jesse the Burgersmith Wilson. Burgersmith. I made what very well could have been my best burger ever tonight. Mm. Very, very excited with how that turned out. You know, it, it's funny because you could be calling yourself a burger chef here, and Burger Chef has been there was it used to be a restaurant called Burger Chef, and it has been a very prominent thing on this season of Pulp of, Move of of Mad Men. I'm a little Mad Men crazy right now. Shout well, out to my Mad Men Happy Hour homies. I am the Burger Smith. I also have a wailing uh, daughter on the other side of this door that's making it hard, kind of hard to concentrate. Oh man, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, don't be. Okay. But yeah, I made a delicious hamburger. <laughs> Nicely done. What, any I, special I ingredients? An... Say what? Any special ingredients? Well, this time what I did mm-hmm. is I, I cooked up two slices of bacon. This I made like three patties with this. I cooked up two slices of bacon right. beforehand, mm-hmm. then diced it up into little bacon chunks. Oh, and shit. Threw that into the, the patty in the mixing bowl and mixed it together with like some, uh, minced garlic and mm-hmm. pepper and mm-hmm. then some shredded cheese went in there too and then all that became the patties you sir delicious. have almost made one of my favorite fast food things of all time <laughs> what's that the bacon bacon cheeseburger from jack in the box it's very much like the bacon bacon <sighs> theme the bacon bacon cheeseburger was something that got me through a lot of hangovers in college <laughs> that thing is like pure sodium and delicious <laughs> It's back to the electrolytes, baby. <laughs> exactly, man. We're going to Gatorade this shit up through burgers. Yeah. <laughs> screw burgers. Screw. Wait. What? Screw Gatorade. <laughs> yeah. So I, I I had a very interesting weekend. I went to Bend, Oregon this past weekend. Oh, snap. I yeah. totally forgot about that. The beer mecca of the Northwest. Tell me how that went. It was really cool. I mean, we did the brewery stuff. So we, we only hit up like five breweries, I think. But we did, you did Nail uh, Trail? Well, no, because you got to uh, drive it, basically. There are some that are not, like, yeah. walking distance. Yeah. like, But we did Deschutes, of course. We did Ten Barrel. We did, did you do the Deschutes Brew Pub downtown, or did you do the actual production facility? I, we did the Brew Pub because the production facility wasn't open when we were available. Oh. Yeah, but, I just did the Brew Pub as well. But they have, a they have like, a small uh, house system oh, there. Yeah. No, they it was wonderful, and they had... I love it when you go to established breweries uh, because they always have like only stuff that's on tap, like stuff you can't get in bottles. And right. one thing that I wanted to talk about, because we've had this before, this, this discussion a few times before, is loggers, right? Some right. people just don't like loggers. And yeah, I say, that's a misconception yeah. in the craft community. Well, I think that uh, you know a lot of people associate loggers with like Budweiser. Right. But I think that people, if people want to get into loggers, I would uh, really... Um, suggest trying Dunkelweissens, which are basically like dark lagers, like double mm-hmm. lagers. And they, it's one of my favorite types of beers, Dunkelweissen. I love the Celebrator. Um, uh, I love the Spaten Optimator. Um, and, and they had a Dunkelweissen on tap from Deschutes called Trees of Doom, which was just really, really good. So I had a couple glasses of that and I took a growler of it back to the campsite. 
Nice. But Dunkelweissens, I would just really suggest. I, so we had uh, the Shoots, we had Ten Barrel, we had Good Life, which was probably my favorite brewery. That's my favorite. It was so good. Not to uh, mention, hence the name. Yeah. Plus, they have like an awesome lawn with like uh, bocce ball. Yeah, wonderful. they got a really cool facility. And if you look inside, it's freaking gigantic. Yeah, and their equipment only takes up maybe a quarter of the space that they have. Like, they are prepped for expansion. Well, I think they're expanding a little bit because they had a fermentation tank outside with, like, a tube. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, maybe they're expanding a little more. But uh, yeah. And then, we, you know, we hit up a couple more. But it was a wonderful weekend. I got to go into a cave, which was awesome. You know, I've never done any caving. It was amazing. Like, they had this thing right off the highway. It was called lava caves um mm. and i was like okay they're probably like lava tubes like they're probably like these little tubes you walk through we get there and they're like do you have a lantern <laughs> we're like no <laughs> and they're like okay you need to rent a, re- a lantern so they we had to rent a lantern for five dollars it was like an old coleman lantern that you like light on fire basically right yeah i know the type and then you go down into the cave and the cave is like a mile deep and you go about 200 feet underground when you're in it. So it's like this crazy lava tube. And all I could think was like, I want to go three quarters of the way through this thing, post up a bunch of camp chairs, and do a D&D session. Oh, that would be spooktacular. It was a little spooky, but it was awesome. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, really wonderful weekend. If anybody's the opportunity to go to Bend, Oregon, I highly recommend it. It is a very relaxing and wonderful, beautiful place. Yeah, it's a cool town. I liked it a lot when yeah. I was there last year. It was bigger than I thought it would be. It's fairly big. Yeah, 90,000 people. Wow. Anyway, enough about my weekend. We also need to talk about PAX tickets, because they went on sale today. Right. Pretty interesting experience. Do tell. So anyway, I got I, I was able to procure from some PAX tickets for Jesse and Levi, so... No, no harm done here with the system. I still think the system is really good for packs. Um, because but just, I, there was a lot of lamentations in my Facebook feed. Yeah, there are. I mean, but the fact of the matter is you got to be on top of your shit. That's just, the, right. it's just like, it's so popular that you have to be on top of your shit. And being on top of your shit this year meant you had to get in in like the first five minutes. Right. Uh, so last year packs sold out in six hours. This year packs sold out in one hour. The entire thing sold out in one hour. And Saturday badges sold out in about 45 minutes. But you, uh, from everything I've read online and on Reddit, you basically have to be in the, into the queue within the first couple minutes in order to get those uh, Saturday passes in 45 minutes. But I had my system. I had the text alert set up. I got the text. I jumped on. I was in within 30 seconds. Uh, I, got, I was into the uh, ticket buying thing within six minutes, and I was able to get uh, the one-day passes. So... Everything's gravy on my end. All I'm saying is you got to get on top of your stuff if you want to be a part of it. It was very exciting, though. It's kind of like having a baby because it's like, uh, you know, it's exact. It's probably exactly like having a baby. You know what? You know what I'm talking about. It's probably more intense. It's probably really is. <laughs> like you, you, you have your go bag. Yeah, exactly. All packed and ready. Yeah, you have your go bag. Like I had my browser windows all ready to go. <laughs> Just like having a baby. I had my escape. I had my route planned. Like, I was like, okay, I get the text. I go to official, add official packs on Twitter, follow the link immediately. Like, I had it all planned out. Uh, and yeah, it was kind of exciting. Like, I was, like, I was a little jumpy. I texted everybody. I was like, very excited. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're all in and, uh, we'll be at PAX. So if anybody else is out there going to PAX, guys, please let us know. We'd love to hang out and have a beer. Uh, I'm so excited. 92 days away. So. Wow. 
Whew. And there's just over 100 days until NFL. Holy crud. The NFL Holy season crap. opens in Seattle, Seattle versus Green Bay. I know. That's going to be a good game. Very excited. All right. Well, uh, we got to get some listener feedback this week. We got a bunch of phone calls, but the first thing we got was just something amazing. And uh, Jesse, I don't know if you're going to cover this, but we got a new bracket. No, I wasn't planning on it. We could make it a segment, though. Well, this bracket is really wonderful, but I think that it might be a little too hard to do a segment out of. Okay. The thing is here, James Patterson is a king am- king amongst men. He is the brain behind all of our bracketology on the show. He did the Wilson bracket. He did the Eric bracket. He did the breakfast bracket, which was one of our most popular segments ever on Personal Arrogance. And controversial. And very controversial. People are still up in arms about cold pizza beating out f- pancakes. But... uh. But yeah, he put together this Levi bracket. The most valiant effort I've ever seen. I'm just not sure if, uh, through all of his amazing effort here, I don't know. Because it's just, it's so obscure. We gave him such a hard task. He stepped up to the challenge, but I think that the uh, the outcomes are just too difficult to uh, to debate. Uh, but let me just run through it here. So we have a Rocky Mountain correspondent, Levi Jetty, is a one seed. Versus Levi Stubbs, lead singer for the Four Tops. I don't know what that is. <laughs> We have Levi Coffin, abolitionist, president of the Underground Railroad, awesome name-haver. Yeah, great one. Versus Levi Salerio, Filipino composer in the Guinness Book of World Records for leaf playing. Again, don't know what that is. (laughs) Uh, Then we have Levi Morton, vice president of the United States from 1889 to 1893. Versus Levi Ponce, mural painter of Danny Trejo... Trejo, Edward James Olmos, and Richie Valens. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Uh, the le- the <laughs> this one is a little bit of It's the levee was dry, the Chevy was driven to the levee, but, <laughs> which I, I kind of love, a little American Pie lyrics there, versus Levi Romero, pitcher of the Fukuoka SoftBank Hawks in Japan. So pretty great there. Levi Strauss from the, from the jeans versus Rita Levi... Moltesini, Nobel Prize winner, discover a protein that stimulates nerve cell growth. Levi Johnson knocked up a palin. Right, that's the one Levi. Yeah, Rocky Mor- Rocky Mountain correspondent was talking about. I thought I, I misread this almost, and I almost said Putin instead of Palin. <laughs> that's uh, coming for you next, Putin. <laughs> versus Charles Levi, bassist from My Life with the Thrill Kill Cult. Uh, or it might be a bassist, might be a fisherman. Uh, versus, <laughs> and then we got Levi Woodbury, Supreme Court Justice versus Levi Reekin, PA podcast aficionado. Levi, Old Testament style versus Kid Levi's, The Edge, Matthew McConaughey, Cheryl Crow, Sarah Gilbert, and the Duggards all have kids named Levi. This is a valiant effort, James. I'm not trying to discount this by not making this a segment. I just think we put you up too much of a task. You stepped up to the challenge, but, but, uh, God, Levi's are just too weird. <laughs> I think that uh, both Levi Rekin and uh, and Rocky Mountain correspondent Levi Jetty both win the weirdness category. So, right. But mad props to you, James. We will have a more uh, digestible bracket challenge out to you very soon. I promise. Uh, but let's I think get- Levi Coffin wins it. Levi Coffin, man, he's got an awesome name and he did awesome stuff. Yeah, hard to beat. Hard to beat. Although first round matchup versus Guinness World Book of Records winner for leaf playing. 
I don't know, man. What is Leaf playing? I think it's like when you're a kid and you go camping and you take a blade of grass and you put it, it between be your that. thumbs. It cannot be that. But it's with leaves. I It cannot be that. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, let's get to some voicemails this week. The first one comes to us from someone we've talked about a lot in this show. None other than Mr. Orolo Tomasi. Eric. Jesse. Aw, shit. It's Rolo Tomasi sending you guys an audio file over email. Kind of like calling, but not really. Anyways, you guys uh, were talking about raising the minimum wage last week. thought it was an interesting debate. I was always kind of on the viewpoint of uh, that when you raise minimum wage, the cost of living increases. And here in Ontario, where I live, our minimum wage is about ten seventy-five now. And even when I was working minimum wage jobs about 10 years ago, and it was still about $9, I used to lament when the minimum wage would go up because my groceries would go up and my rent would go up and it just didn't add up. Anyways, I heard something else interesting on the we- on the uh, radio this week, and it was that in the uh, next five to six years, they're saying most of those minimum wage jobs like retail and uh, food services, bartending, stuff like that, it's going to go to robots and computers anyways. So the unemployment rate's going to skyrocket. One optimistic opinion was that, you know what, people aren't going to be so busy doing these sort of doer jobs, just trying to scrape by, that they'll have more time to be innovative and change the world and all sorts of great things. Well, I guess I'm a little bit more of a pessimistic uh, asshole, <laughs> in the fact that I think that uh, really people will just be unemployed and depressed and it'll create a cycle of poverty. But what do you guys think? Is it like a one step forward, two step back, can't stay, get in the way of progress type thing? Or do you think that uh, it's a step in the right direction and you know it's freeing up room for new types of future jobs? Maybe we can be people that dust off the computers and make minimum wage? I don't know. But anyways, love the cast. Keep doing what you're doing. Matrix, loved it in a big bad way. <laughs> Didn't like the Power Rangers. Pokemon, you know it. <laughs> Kung Pao Enter the Fist, great film. Watch it every year. Stars above. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, sorry I've been talking too long. You guys rock. Keep doing what you're doing. Stay arrogant and get off my back. And uh, can we be best friends? Because that would be cool. Anyways. <laughs> Rollo, get off my back. My best friend is actually... You were in consideration, right. but they just built a new best friend robot. So it, Yeah, right. and it's awesome. It is, it's it's a way be- cool friend. It, it's so cool. And it, it can always get the lid off the pickle jar. It does, man. It and like the cry on the shoulder app. Come on! It only occasionally tries to smother you with a pillow because it's like I see that you are dying. <laughs> Organic life is just pain. <laughs> Let me smother you. Yeah. No, that's, it's that's, inter- per- that's only like twice a week. Yeah, it's pretty easy. You just gotta sleep with one eye open. Mm-hmm. Not a prob. Anyway, one eye on the EMP grenade. I feel. I feel like the. Uh, <laughs> I feel like the whole uh, our, our whole minimum wage talk might have been a little more political than we tried to make it. 
uh, on this show. We usually don't do, get too political. I made it fairly political. Yeah, whatever. You you you, you self identified as a Marxist at the beginning, so uh huh. Um, but it's yeah. I mean, it's it, there's 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 sides to everything. I think one of the things, is, especially with the minimum wage proposal here in Seattle, going up to fifteen dollars, at least it will be a litmus test to see. And that's kind of what that's kind of what economists are saying. It's like, well, we'll see, because we've never, literally, never had a fifteen dollar U.S. dollar minimum wage basically anywhere in the world. I know they have a very high minimum wage in Australia, but when you use conversion rate, it's actually lower than fifteen American dollars. So uh, it'll be an interesting test to see if it works or not, and uh, it'll happen in my city. So we'll either be, uh, you know, great, affluent, wonderful people, or it's going to devolve into post-apocalyptic Seattle, which I played, or I really want to play Infamous 2, so uh, maybe I'll get to do that in real life. Well, Seattle in the 70s was basically a post-apocalyptic Seattle. Yeah. Last one to leave Seattle, turn out those lights. Precisely. As for the robot thing, mm-hmm. I love the idea of robot workers. In fact, the Safeway in town here, Yep. I was a little bummed out because they took out one bank of the self-checkout. What? Why? I love self-checkout. They took one of them out and installed like two uh. express checkouts. <sighs> Which only, like, one of them is being operated at any time anyway. <sighs> Classic For Pinko thing, Port Townsend. there's way too many checkouts. <laughs> there's, yeah. yeah. There's always, like, 50% of the checkouts aren't even open. Mm-hmm. So it's not like we need more checkouts. We need more of the do-it-yourself stuff. I love the do-it-yourself checkout. But, I mean, there's an interesting philosophical question posed here. Like, imagine, oh. what if all the jobs, what if... uh graphic designers and brewers and not just like minimum wage laborer jobs but all sorts of jobs are being done by humans and essentially no one had to work we have like a self-sustaining robotic economy on earth and we as humans are free to like do as we please because everything is provided to us do we still have like social stratum do we still have class are there people who well, I own the robot, so I get all the money. Right. And you don't own any robots, so you don't get any money. Like, yeah. how how does that work when we progress the society like that? Well, I mean, I feel like the have and ha- the haves and have nots would be very separated in that scenario. Uh, yeah, unless unless you know, it isn't unless all the robots belong to the government and the people control the government, and then everyone just gets a check in the mail. Well, you could just move to Alaska, sir. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, that, many a sci-fi novel has been written off this premise. Right. Uh, but yeah, it, it's, a, it's a really interesting thing to think about it. And the, the crazy thing about it is that we are pretty close to realizing that world. We might be getting a little bit closer in one of my topics this week. All right. Well, let's save it for that. We got a couple more voicemails. Uh, this one comes to us from our good buddy... Uh, Rob Zip down in Houston, Texas, uh, and here it is. Hey, Eric and Jesse, this is your good friend Rob Zip down in Houston. I was on a podcast panel at Comic Palooza on Saturday, and um, someone asked me what podcast you listen to, and definitely gave Personal Arrogance a big shout out. So I could talk about beer, board games, and other weird shit. They're funny guys. So um, I just wanted to give you guys a heads up if you got like a plethora of new um, listeners and Facebook friends and whatnot. So, anyway, um, I'm going to drink a beer at 3 or 4 for you guys, and uh, if I want to stay here again, love you. Love you too, Rob. Get off my back. Love Rob Zip, dude. 
that guy's the Can't best. help but love him. Can't help but love him. He's got that Texas charm. Mm-hmm. And he's plugging our podcast. Yeah. Texas Comic Paloozas. Love it. Which is awesome. Can't get enough of it. Thank you, Rob. I really appreciate that. And, uh, and then we got one more from across the pond. We got a new British listener. Here he is. It's Rory from the UK. I'm a university student at Reading doing archaeology. She thought I'd, uh, ring in. First time listener, long time listener, first time caller. Um, so really enjoy your podcast, all your, all the stuff you talk about. Uh, I've actually started getting into board games. Um, played Risk a couple of times over the last couple of weeks. Uh, I bought Settlers, Settlers of Catan. Uh, that should arrive soon. Looking forward to playing that. Uh, I'm in the middle of my first year exams at university now. Um, I've actually got two exams tomorrow. I was just listening to some of your podcasts, relaxing a bit before my exams. Uh, yeah, and keep up the good work, work and uh, stay off my back. <laughs> you stay off my back. This is so great, dude. I love the British listeners. Mm, I'm, I'm, I have mixed feelings about this. Well, because you're an Australian citizen, sure, sir. Yes. But the fact of the matter is... And American. And <laughs> Yeah, frankly, you've been oppressed and rebelled. Yeah. Um, no, I love these British listeners, man. It, it, just, it just makes my day. Uh, Ollie James, Sam Gulmahamadi... I can't get enough of these guys. So, uh, sure, we got we got like a good three who are you know active participants at this point. Exactly, and that's and not wild. To, and that's only in uh, Great Britain proper. We've also got Ireland. We've got Germany. We're taking over Europe, man. Speaking of risk, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get those five sweet victory points. By the way, you're gonna stop playing Risk as soon as you start playing Settlers. Yeah. And it's great. We're expanding horizons too here. So, you know, we can't talk about it enough. If you if we talk about board games on here all the time, if you need an intro board game, the universal intro board game to enter this world of design, designer board games is is Settlers of Catan. I can't uh can't recommend it enough. Settlers of Catan. And right. if you want to give us a call, please uh do so. 3603620024. Our promise to you is that if you give us a call, we will put it on this show. Uh Bam. So there you go. It's time for a little tiny Matt roll off. We're going to get this show on the road. See who gets to speak first on the podcast. Going to be rolling a 20-sided die and here we go. What'd you get? Uh Mighty 11. I got an 11 as well. <laughs> Double roll-offs! So many double roll-offs, guys. So many double roll-offs. Here we go. What'd you get? Five. Oh, I got a ten. Ah, oh, dang. Oh, man. I wanted it. I wanted it. All right. Well, my first topic this week uh, has to do with, uh, surprise, surprise, games. Here we go. So, Jesse, I heard about this amazing new game mm-hmm. this week. It's called a Mega Game. Have mm. you heard of Mega Games? I've heard of Mega Man. That's true. So, <laughs> this is nothing like that. But what Mega Games are are basically these games that are created by this uh, group of people in England called Mega Game Makers. Apparently, for the past 30 years, they've been perfecting these Mega Games. <clears throat> and basically what they are, are games that basically like 45 people will play for like three hours. 
And mm. the way that I heard about this is through, uh, a podcast and, uh, in channel that I, that I frequent, uh, shut up and sit down. I've talked about them on the show before. They mostly review board games, but, uh, in their most recent video that they posted, it's a 45 minute long video talking about the mega game session that they uh, recently attended. And basically what this mega game session was, is that every team, you have like teams of four people. Every team represents a country. And within each team, you delegate roles. So there's like the prime minister of the country. There's the foreign minister of the country. There's the defense minister of the country. And then there's the scientist for the country. And each person has a different role and they have to perform different tasks on each turn. Um... And so each of these people were representing country. The shut up and sit down guys were from Japan, but they had representatives from Russia, from the U.S., from France, from uh, China. Um, and so they're trying to do all these diplomatic relations because an event has occurred. Uh, aliens have landed on Earth. And so there are also people that are playing the alien civilization. <laughs> and it all takes place in like this giant gym. <laughs> and so, like, there's this black curtain that only the aliens can go behind. <clears throat> and, uh, and then there's, like, the United Nations. So the foreign minister goes to the United Nations. There's, like, impromptu, uh, meetings called by world leaders that you, like, get together. You have to form alliances and figure out how you're going to handle this alien threat while also handling the diplomacy of, uh, world powers interacting with each other. So it was like this. It was like a super, super interesting thing. Um, so it's a lot of role playing, but there's also dice rolling mechanics that are applied with it. And uh, God, it's just got my wheels turning. Like for instance, uh, you know, Japan. Uh, all of the all of the governments basically found out that aliens had landed in Iran. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's like this person who is the press. And so you can go and talk to this person. You can send her press releases, and she'll write them up in little uh, a newspaper, basically, like a one-page newspaper. And she prints it out at the beginning of every turn and then gives it to every country. So she represents the press. So you can, like, manipulate the press. That seems uh, a pretty powerful position. Yeah, but she's, like, one of the game makers. Oh, okay. So there are game makers who go around and make sure that everything's running correctly. Right. Um, while like all of the military leaders are are surrounded surrounding a table and moving military troops around the world, <laughs> and making decisive military uh, things. But while or, while a president goes and talks to the press and says, you know, one thing. So like the aliens all landed, and every country basically decided that they weren't going to acknowledge that aliens landed. And then the shut up and sit down guys from Japan were like, fuck that. We're going to say that aliens landed, which like threw a huge wrench in like everything. There's like a terror track for the world. So like the terror track is moving up because aliens are now landing. And like it, it turned into this huge diplomacy battle because, uh, they found an alien base on the moon. They found an alien base on Mars. They, so they decided they were going to shoot it with a nuke. <laughs> and like all of this stuff happened. I like how it Im- they immediately just become like the government from X Files. Mm-hmm. Like cover it up, hit them with nukes. <laughs> well, it was interesting because like the United States had a lot of. They're very diplomatically tied to Japan because they have a defense pact with Japan. So, um, so they had all of this information. They had captured an alien, but they were also like really in with the aliens. They had like created diplomatic ties with the aliens and then they were pushing out um uh 
counterintelligence, basically, through the press that Japan was actually working with the aliens. So all of the foreign governments thought that Japan was working with the aliens when really the U.S. was. So all of this puppet mechanics, like, it was just really, really interesting. And then at the end of the day, it turned out that the aliens had just come to Earth to see if Earth was mature enough to join a galactic council. Right, of course. (laughs) Like, that's why you don't nuke the aliens. Yes, exactly. So then the aliens were like, well, fuck that. You guys were going to blow us up. So they, like, shot. They're, like, out of town. You don't get to join the galactic council. Right. Just, like, an amazing thing. Like, I couldn't. I really want to do it. Like, uh, and unfortunately, this group is only in England, but they do, so they do this sort of thing. They've done World War One uh, simulations. They've done World War II oh, simulations. Man. That'd be so fun. Yeah, where you, like, all represent a country. You're, like, you're like Austria-Hungary in World War One, Right. Like, so cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, the nerd cred is rising, I think. Uh. Um... <laughs> But what I was thinking is, like, they have a bunch of rules online, so I really want to start working on a mega game. Because apparently the only place you can play these things is in England at this point. But uh, can't, do they, are, the rule sets are all available? The rule sets, uh, not all of them are available, but a good amount of them are available at game, uh, mega game makers. If you just type that in the Google, it's like the first thing that pops up. So one of them that they had was, uh, was a Battle of North Africa 1943 to 45 or something. Oh, classic. Yeah. So, uh, and you each... Dibs uh, on Montgomery, am I right, guys? <laughs> well, they had, like, it was all broken down by battalions. So you had, like, the air defense force, the ground defense force uh, for each side. And it was, like, so very militaristically based. But it got my brain to turn in because w- what I was, like, I feel like the most amazing thing would be if there was a border states um, version of this game surrounded around a theme of the American Civil War. So like, um, uh, like bleeding Kansas. Yeah, exactly. Like you, like everybody is a state, and you have the governor, the senator, the congressman, and the general from each state. Um, and and like the Confederacy is happening. So you're not gonna have like Florida because obviously the Florida is gonna be a part of the South, and you don't have like Maine because Maine's obviously gonna be a part of the North. Right. But you have like all of the border states. And you have to form a confederacy, elect a president, um, and then fight the Civil War. But at the same time, uh, there is a group of people playing the executive branch as well, trying to... So they get, the North gets a little bit of a head start because they have an executive branch, but then the South forms an exec- executive branch. And the great thing is it's a game that's played with like like 20 to 30 people. It's, it's just like the... It just really made me very, very excited. Now, that'd be a lot of fun. This is, it's almost like LARPing meets, like, uh, you, the mock UN. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It, it's, it's almost exactly that, actually. Is that good or bad? Who knows? Well, the question is, is that I've shied away from, LARPing is a dirty word in the dirt world. Like, if you're a LARPer, you're, you're at the fringes. You're, you're the tea party of the nerd world. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe you're not, maybe you're going to take over the Congress, but I don't know. Um, uh, but, but yeah, like LARPing is a bit of a dirty world in the, in the nerd world. Do you think that this is LARPing? Cause it seems kind of like LARPing. Yeah, it's totally LARPing. <sighs> but it's like cool LARPing. No, no, it's not. Uh. Don't get that impression. <laughs> this was my problem in high school. It's like I was a nerd, but I thought I was like a cool nerd. 
Yeah, no, this is not cool at all. <laughs> Tell that to the 45-year-old guy who was playing the Prime Minister of Russia. You know what I want to do for one of these mega games? Yeah. Um, so you get all the hard stats mm-hmm. off of, like, um, pro football focus or whatever for mm-hmm. NFL teams. Mm-hmm. Everyone plays a position and then takes certain actions and rolls the oh dice to see if they... If it works or not, you have to, like, call a play, and then, like, <sighs> depending on different coverage schemes, you have, like, a percentile chance, and you roll the D100 to see if the pass is complete. Oh, man. And then you could coach an actual game as though it's actual NFL players, but no one has to be able to play <laughs> NFL. I like it. <laughs> I feel like playing a whole season might take a long time. I'm not, I'm not suggesting you play a whole season. Where I thought you were going with this was draft day. Like, you each play an NFL front office, and then you have to, like, draft the best draft class. No, you, you play as a, you play as a player. Yeah. Like, one person is your quarter, one person's quarterback, one person's receiver. Mm -hmm. You got one person for every lineman. And then, like, you take an action. It's like, I'm going to, uh, attempt to block this defensive lineman. And you, and based off of the statistics, like, I am, you know, yeah, Bruno Giacomini, and you are JJ Watt. So you <laughs> you find the stats for that percentage on that matchup. Roll the die. Mm-hmm. I just want to be able to play football without having to be able to play football. <laughs> but playing football is fun. No, it is fun. It's really fun. I think that there's something here though with like playing a sports front office and like figuring out how to put a winning team together and like formulating trades. And oh my god, this would be like the coolest thing. No, it's not cool. It would be really cool Stop for me. suggesting that this is cool. I mean, it would be neat. Okay. It would be neat. It may not be cool, but it was, it's definitely neat. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I'm so excited. I like, the war, I like the war stuff way more. Yeah, I mean, this is right up your alley, dude. Mm-hmm. This is, like, r- super up. And I would, I, want, I would love to play a mega game with you. Like, Yeah. It would be fun if we went, especially, like, if we went and played it in England. Yeah, and it's the World War One one, uh-huh. and we play the Doughboys. Like. <laughs> I love it. Oh man! No, we bring it our bring it our Kentucky swagger. That would just be wonderful if we could have a game where we came in and we were the Americans, mm-hmm. like in in England. And then there's the Americans. Yeah, I'd love to see like the the meek British nerd trying to play, you know, President Wilson. <laughs> no, I love it, and like uh, you know. The the shut up and sit got sit down guys like got kind of into it like they had uniforms like they wore like suits. Oh man, I would get so into it. The Americans had, we already have matching suits. The, yeah, that's true. We do. We have two sets. <laughs> Thank you, weddings. Um, no, and uh, and the oh my god, if we all wore the same suit, that would be ridiculous. <laughs> um, <laughs> It'd be really fun to try and organize something like this during PAX. Maybe not yeah. this year, but the following. Well, and I, I do kind of want to take certain elements of this and incorporate it into the HP Pubcraft Love. Oh, club. man, I've been thinking about that lately. If you have any suggestions, I, I need to start getting that together hardcore. I'm cool. ready to delve right into it. But I, I think one of the things is, since we're doing teams, um, doing something with adventuring parties together, certain people getting information at certain times... Other people being able to use information to get leverage, that sort of thing. Like, that kind of intrigue is so great. And I think that that could really add a nice saucy bent to the 
uh, pub crawl, but I also don't want to make it too hardcore because it is a drinking event. Right. Yeah. So, anyway, Mega Games are awesome. If you haven't already, please check out Shut Up and Sit Down. They have a podcast and a video about this. And if you have any ideas, dude, please send them our way. I want to put something like this together. And I feel like we could probably do it, especially around something like PAX. Um, and the buzz is hard right now, so... <laughs> I think so. You're drunk, or yeah. The, well, the other thing, like I was thinking, the space race. Like I think that could be really cool. Mm. Something around space race. Anyway, yeah, guys. the International Space Station. Yeah, and like or like modern space race, and then aliens come, or I don't know, something cool. <laughs> uh, Jesse, what's your first topo? Okay, um, mine doesn't fit into a neat category, but Eric, I want to mm-hmm. ask: Are we in a new era of advertisement? Dini. Advertisement. Mm. So you are drunk then. Yep. To promote Eric, it's Smokehouse Brisket Sandwich. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you heard about this. Mm. Arby's filmed a brisket being smoked for 13 hours and aired it as an uncut commercial with no dialogue over the weekend. <laughs> what they put on Twitch TV? Um, Twitch they plays did brisket. <laughs> But better. Um, so according to the New York Times, the ad was aired on a single station in Duluth, Minnesota. Oh my god. It featured a really long shot of a seasoned brisket being cooked in a smoker. Fitted with a glass window and an internal light at a smokehouse in Texas that actually cooks the chance brisket. So TV is dead, basically. Is what you're uh, or, Eric, <laughs> it got a whole lot better. <laughs> and they just had the courage to show 13 hours of a brisket being cooked, which I think is awesome. Yeah, they had the courage, a.k.a. they got paid. <laughs> well, I mean, Arby's had the courage. <laughs> yeah, okay. Speaking of getting paid, it cost them about $250,000. Mm. And it set a Guinness World Record, not for Leaf playing, but for longest television commercial ever. <laughs> I love it. I want more. The Arby's brand president noted, if there was ever a doubt that we actually pit smoke or brisket for 13 hours of a real hickory wood, this ad makes it pretty mouthwateringly clear that we do. You got it, brother. So I'm pretty excited about that. I I hope they put it on YouTube. Yeah, I hope they put this on YouTube. I'm ready to watch it. I think that this should... um, Maybe it could they could incorporate this uh, Taco Bell's doing all sorts of cool new things right. with their menu. Yeah, the the item I've always wanted is briskets and gravy. <laughs> I love it. Breakfast yeah. and dinner. <laughs> yeah, this could be the new Arby's uh, first meal menu. Mm-hmm. Step one: briskets and gravy. Step two: I don't know, make a fucking breakfast burrito out of sliced ha- sliced beef, sliced beef and bacon, baby. That seems to be all they're doing with the first meal stuff. Well, the classic sandwiches at Arby's, man. That yeah. was a good or bad vice of mine for a very long time. Oh yeah, because well, I, yeah, I lived. I worked the day the, they were affordable too. Yeah, they're the breakfast. the The lunch sandwiches are ill affordable. They're like twelve dollars for a sandwich and fries, but <laughs> they are insane. delicious. And they don't use mayonnaise. They. <laughs> They use, use sal- sauce. they use salad dressing, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, man, he's salad dressing, dudes. Salad dressing. Yeah, 
Well, do you think that, you know, maybe we're going to get some other ballsy ad campaigns? I, I love the idea here. This is what I'm saying. Like, why isn't there a long-form TV channel? Like, Monday, brisket. Mm-hmm. Tuesday, uh, Game of Axis and Allies. <laughs> yeah, speaking of which, I played one. Weekend. <laughs> you, are you serious? Yeah, it actually went pretty fast. Japan got it spanked. How was it full access and with access and specific? It was the 1986 version. Jesus. So we went old school for That's it. That's hardcore. Well, actually, that game's a lot easier than the newer iterations. Hmm. It's like the original version of Access and Allies, which apparently this is where this conversation is going. Yeah. Is my breakdown of Access and Allies editions. The original one, you got like, we'll talk about the Navy. You have Battleship. Uh, transport, aircraft carrier, and submarine. Okay. In the new one, you also have, like, cruisers and destroyers. And you also have, like, artillery. You just have a ton more different pieces. Huh. So, like, the old school... And I feel like there's more of them in the board in the mm. new edition. The mm. old version is, like, kind of, like, skeletal. I like which it. Which makes it easy to play and fast. Gritty plastic. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was fun. So yeah, that's Tuesday. Wednesday, cricket. <laughs> I would watch that. Yeah, cricket. Thursday, uh, turkey. No, turkey's too short. No, the nation of Turkey. The nation live stream of Istanbul. Yeah. Friday. <laughs> Friday crockpot view. Crockpot yeah. vision. Thank God it's crock. TGIC. <laughs> Thank God it's crockpot. TGICP. Mm-hmm. Um, I also another thing I did. It's funny that you mentioned this. I cooked a not I, but I watched my neighbor. I was hanging out with them <laughs> while they cooked a uh, bird in deep fat oil, like deep fat fried a uh, chicken. Cool man. It was awesome. Yeah, s- Saturday watching beer ferment. <laughs> well, that's just fascinating. Yeast doing their thing. Yeast Unleashed. Yeast Unleashed. Real yeast of Port Townsend County. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty excited about this. Have you seen the commercial where the guy... For this... It's the Arby's commercial. Mm-hmm. It's, it's airing on TV right now. Yeah. And it, Tosh and I were fascinated by it for a long time. For One thing, they introduce this guy, but they don't say like what he's done. Uh-huh. And then it, it, uh, like after like the third or fourth viewing, mm-hmm. in the bottom corner it said "Legendary Detective." Oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah! I know what you're talking about. He like, like goes a around, guy. yeah, and he like hands meat slicers to people through the through yeah. the drive through window. And I, Tasha and I, like looked him up to see what the hell he had done. He's yeah. like PI or whatever. Is is he like tied to Jimmy Hoffa or something? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh-huh. Apparently, I wasn't paying too close attention during my research. Mm. But at one point in the latest iteration of these commercials, he goes, he says something that's like, it's a real munchitation situation. <laughs> and I've watched this commercial probably 50 times, just like, what the hell is he saying? Munchitation situation? I don't know what he says. It's a munchitation situation, man. It's a, it's a very munchitation situation. It speaks for and itself. The other guy laughs, but he does, if you look at the guy he's talking to laughing, mm. it's sort of like that awkward, like, what the hell, laugh? But, like, <laughs> I'm just going to go for it, because he rhymed, so I think it was a joke. Yeah, it's most of the laughs that you give me on this show. 
<laughs> That's not true. <laughs> you literally did that laugh when you and, I said that joke. <laughs> every every podcast with you, Eric, is a very munchetacious situation. <laughs> what does he say? <laughs> Hey, the listeners out there know what I'm talking about. Oh, man, Please let it. me know because it's it's yeah. been I've what been racking it? my brain trying to figure out is what it, is it munchination or munchitation? I think it's munchitacious. <laughs> but it definitely shouldn't have been included in the final cut. Well <laughs> They play it a lot during the Bar and Rescue Marathons I watch every Sunday. <laughs> you know, munch. You, you gotta let, you gotta give a little bit of a leash, you know, for these commercials. And sometimes he comes up with comedy gold. Sometimes he comes up with much situation. situation. <laughs> oh man. By the way, Sunday, beard growing. Mmm. It gets real exciting around five o'clock. Yeah, because he starts eating an egg salad sandwich and it gets in the beard. <laughs> Oh, man, I had a moment the other day. <laughs> Are you bearding right now? Well, I, uh, I was bearding, but I cut it down to mustache and mm-hmm. sideburns. Mm. But I I was eating a bagel with cream cheese at work. I caught myself in the mirror, and I just had a bunch of cream cheese on my mustache. <laughs> it was not a good look. Well, at least you caught yourself. Yeah, but it was like, it was a while after I ate the bagel. <laughs> It was a while. Yeah. Oh, man. Anyway, I'm ready for a break. Me too, buddy. Let's do some trivia. We're going to be doing Genus 1 and Trivial Pursuit. I'm going to be rolling a six-sided die to see which category we're doing this week. And away we roll. It's a three, baby. It's history. I'm not going to do it this week, Jesse. What? I'm not going to do it this time. The history thing. Oh, I see. I thought you meant you're not going to do the category. No, I'm not going to do the history prelude, where I say that you have a degree in history. Well, I think you just did it. Well, come on, man. You, I got. I can't have to spell this stuff out for you every time. Mm, it was a pretty munchetacious situation. <laughs> I think this is getting into the this is getting into the stars above territory. <laughs> We're gonna need to make this munchetacious situation. <laughs> oh man, you know this is this is random things that like you don't know why they're funny, but they're funny. Right. It's fucking funny. All right. Uh, Jesse, this question is for you. Who shot Lee Harvey Oswald? That would be my man. Mm. Jack Ruby. Jack Ruby. I played a I played a rogue sorcerer in a D&D campaign once. I named Ruby Jack after uh, this guy. Wow. That's hardcore, man. I was going to make a joke, but I think you're right. It's Jack Ruby. Jesus. Uh, all right, so you're up one nothing. This one's for me. Please play along at home. What U.S. president established the National Foundation for Infantile Paralysis? I'm going to go with FDR. Hmm. Is that like an institution where they paralyze babies? Because that seems pretty cruel. It's very cruel. And as we all know, FDR, cruelest president. I think, um, <laughs> no, I... I think it's Teddy Roosevelt because he was like, speak softly, carry a big stick, and use oh, it to Jesus. just break the spines of children. <laughs> we, don't, we don't need those jokes on this show. It's <laughs> FDR. Frank. I like how they didn't put FDR. They just put Franklin Roosevelt. Ooh, that's a classy move. Not Delano. Back in 83, he was just known as Franklin Roosevelt. Franklin. Good old Franklin. All right, so it's one-to-one. Jesse. Oh, we've had that one before. 
Uh, Jesse's questions for you. What entertainer won a defamation suit against the National Enquirer in 1981? Uh, I'll go with Rod Stewart. I like it. I'm going to go with uh, John Wayne. Carol Burnett. I barely know who that is. She had her own show in the 70s. Carol Burnett show. She mm-hmm. also played Miss Hannigan on the TV movie Annie, which aired in the early 90s, and I had on VHS, <laughs> because my parents taped it. Well, there um, you go. That is a very much a situation. <laughs> this question's for me. What date was Black Tuesday? I'm going to go with uh, October 14th, 1929. Black Tuesday, I'll go with uh, Tuesday the 14th, mm-hmm. 31. Oh my god, I'm so close. I was 15 days off. Oh. October 29th, 1929. Wow. Jeez. I mean, I think that warrants a point. I don't think so. It's not Geography Tiebreaker, but now it is. It's a Geography Tiebreaker, guys. We each got one point, which means that whoever is geographically closest to the answer will get the round. The question is, Jesse, you answer first. What is the easternmost U.S. state capital? Uh, easternmost U.S. state capital. I want to give it to um, the capital of Maine, mm-hmm. which is Bangor. You're going to give it to Bangor, Maine. I'm going to give it to Portland, Maine. Uh-oh. Although I think Bangor is the capital. Oh, God damn it. It's Augusta, Georgia. Oh, f- well, who's closer now? now? I gotta do a Google search. Because we were both wrong. We were both very wrong in Augusta, Georgia. So, Portland's First, Maine. what is the capital of Maine? I that, that That's irrelevant. I know, but just out of curiosity. Uh, you look it up, I'll look up what the capital okay. of Maine is. Bangor, Maine is an hour and 58 minutes north of Portland, Maine. Which means um, Eric won everything this week. Well, there you go. Augusta. Augusta, capital of Maine. Oh, wait. Augusta. Okay. Okay, we screwed this up, man. (laughs) I thought Augusta was the capital of Georgia because I'm a dum-dum. So, Eddie, so Portland, Maine is literally like right between Augusta, Maine and Portland. Wait, I'm confused. (laughs) I'm sorry. Bangor is... Augusta, Maine is right between Bangor, Maine and Portland, Maine. Mm. Oh, man. What's the correct answer? Okay, just one second. To Augusta, Maine. <laughs> I am a dumb dumb. Is Augusta, Maine the correct answer? Augusta, Maine is the correct answer. Oh. So we were both had the state right. So uh, Portland, Maine is 54 minutes from Augusta, Maine. And Bangor, Maine is... An hour and 13 minutes from Augusta, Maine, Damn. which means I beat you up by 23 minutes. Oh, uh, as everyone knows, in the United States, that's how we tr- measure distance. <laughs> Miles per hour, motherfucker. <laughs> All right. I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it this week. Wow. Uh, that means you win everything. I do. And Double that means... roll off, and we had to throw it to the judges. Jesus. So. Pretty good. I don't, I don't have as the bird flies. I'm using Google Maps here. But... 
Uh, that means my second topic this week is going to be movies. Do you know what nemesis means? Okay, Jesse, I don't know if you heard about this, but there was a glitch this week in Netflix. Oh, no, I didn't hear. It was a glitch, man. So apparently a recent glitch in a Netflix app is creating weird films that some people wish were real. Oh, is it like hodgepodging? Hodgepodging. So I got this from Us versus TH3M. Don't know what this site is, but somebody linked to it on Facebook. So one of my friends likes it. Which means it's probably pretty weird, but uh, that means it's been a thoroughly vetted source. It's thoroughly vetted, um, but <laughs> there's some pretty good ones here. So Jesse, I just wanted to get some quick synopsis from you because we have the description of each of these shows, but we need to vet them out just a little bit for the second topic. Okay, so the first one here is uh, it's a little bit of a lifetime sci-fi crossover. Katie is crushed when her boyfriend inexplicably leaves her. And even more shocked when he sends her a diary kept by his enormous freshwater creatures. <laughs> Which, obviously Lovecraftian look of Innsmouth. Oh, yeah. Da- you got Dagon written all over this. Definitely. <laughs> so, so, what's the guy's name? Well, Katie is crushed. Katie is crushed yeah. because her boyfriend... He, her boyfriend leaves her and is we'll more shocked. We'll call him shocked. Chaz. Yeah, Chaz. Chaz set, then sends her a diary kept by his enormous freshwater creatures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course his crush. It came out of nowhere. Yeah. He was just a... Their relationship was going so well. Mm-hmm. They were talking about... They were engaged. They were planning their wedding together. Right. And they were looking... Uh, You know, they're trying to find the right spot. And they're yeah. going around beautiful, rural Massachusetts. Right. You know, there's an old house here, mm-hmm. covered bridge there. What's this manor? Right. Oh, this place is kind of charming, but it's a little creepy. What's this book that's laid out on the table <laughs> with its worm-eaten yellow pages? Uh-huh. Necronomicon? Never heard of it. Chaz decides to thumb through it. Right. Mm. Suddenly, his, his mind is possessed by mm-hmm. the fish lord Dagon. Got it. And uh, wedding's off. Well, yeah, but he has to cancel the wedding because it's it's definitely a Spider-Man situation here. The people closest to you will are are in the most danger. So yeah. Chaz is really trying to protect Katie by cutting her off from these right. giant freshwater monsters. She won't have it, and unfortunately, leads to both of their own demises. <laughs> yeah, she should have read the diary more closely. I exactly. guess. Well, it was written in an unspeakable tongue. Come on. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. This is a very interesting one. It is a take on a Disney movie inspired by Victor Hugo's novel. This Disney film follows a gentle, crippled bell ringer as he faces prejudice and tries to save the eyes of individual dinosaurs. (laughs) Apparently, it also stars Jason Alexander. Oh. That's in the (laughs) Well, well, we've casted our hunchback. (laughs) Though, actually, those in the Disney world will know that Jason Alexander played the voice of a gargoyle in Hunchback of Notre Dame. Oh, well, sorry. That's cool to know, Jesse. So, what would... (laughs) Totally cool. Totally cool. Mmm. 
Saving the eyes of individual dinosaurs. <laughs> I love it. I feel like there's some kind of Jurassic Uprising, uh, Hollow Earth situation happening here. Oh, yeah. He he rung the bell too hard right. in Notre Dame, and it shattered the very crust of the Earth, and mm-hmm. he tumbled down below to the Hollow Earth. Right. Where, where dinosaurs live. Because we all know that fossils are really just dinosaur graves. Right. Because, like, dinosaurs live on the inside of the Earth. Right. You know, sort of like in a halo thing. They mm-hmm. can just see the Earth in every direction. Exactly. The molten core sustains their life. Yeah, it's like they die. They get buried. Mm-hmm. Duh. They're not animals. Right. And then we dig them up. They have actually entire natural history museums dedicated to the ancient race of humans because they've been digging up our graves. Absolutely. And the problem with this is that there is the classic eye thief mammal. Stealing individual eyes of dinosaur children while they sleep. It's a classic horror tale mm. of trying to find this pile of eyes in a It's like cave. their Krampus. Yeah, exactly. He's their Krampus. Dinosaur Krampus is stealing the eyes of baby dinosaurs. And it's <laughs> up to Quasimodo to find them in Hollow Earth. Okay. Hook, Love it. Line, Starring sinker. Jason Alexander. Exactly. As the, as the eye thief. <laughs> All right, this one's good. It's a Star Trek one. Decades after the adventures of the Enterprise crew, Captain Jean-Luc Picard leads the new Enterprise on missions of trash-talking and deceit. Oh! <laughs> I love this. Yes. It's Jean-Luc, though. It's Jean-Luc Picard, baby. Ooh, it, it's so much easier if it's Kirk, but that makes it mm, even better. I don't know, because I feel like Patrick Stewart can still pull this off. I don't know. You know. Mm, yeah. So, like, after, you know, the military side of the Enterprise has been retired. Yeah. That's done. It's mm-hmm. no longer a warship. Right. They're all, they all become diplomats. Exactly. And they're granted diplomatic immunity. <laughs> but they've got some bones to pick. Exactly. They've got some unfinished business with some Klingons and some Borg. You know it. And, they're going to use their diplomatic community just to go really, like, talk some uh-huh. shit. They're going to get no. that guy who played Fez. Yeah. To And also had the MTV show Yo Mama. Exactly. They're gonna, with you. They're just going to show up and challenge them to Yo Mama offs. Yeah. Plus, what was that What was that fighting show? Bully Beatdown? That guy's got to be in... He's got to be... Oh! Guy. And by that yeah. guy, I think you mean Hero and American Patriot, uh, Jason Mayhem Miller. <laughs> Glad I know that. I'm just saying, I don't love know the, the capital of Maine, but I know the host of Bully Beatdown is Jason Mayhem Miller. <laughs> so that's cool. I just love the idea that, like, uh, all of the diplomats use their diplomatic immunity to have insult battles in alleyways in uh, foreign planets. Right, yeah. And that's all the show. It's an MTV original show. Mm, yeah. Diplomatic Beatdown. Yeah, Bully well, beatdown. you know, they're, they were famous for, like, that. The man on the moon planting the flag. Yeah. So they they already have a pretty strong credential when it comes to space travel. Love it. <laughs> uh, I, I got I got two more here. We'll we'll quickly touch on this one just because it's a Twilight Zone reference. I love the Twilight Zone so much. Hosted by creator Rod Serling, this groundbreaking anthology series presents tales of the supernatural that are often bogged down by bureaucracy. Well, that's basically the X-Files. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, is basically that's the X-Files. <laughs> yeah. All right, and then there's finally there's one more here. Director Sophie Fines and philosopher Slavov Zizek journey 
into the epicenter of ideology through their interpretations of a need to battle the Green Goblin. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. That one speaks for itself. It basically is Spider-Man too. <laughs> All right, Jesse, that's our Seco Topo. Uh, what is your Seco Topo? I want to talk a little bit about science. All right. If today we're able to create a two-headed dog with six legs, is it possible that a similar creature existed thousands of years ago? And I say yes. Great stuff. Great stuff. Great the stuff. tech giant, Eric Google. Mm-hmm. Not Eric Google. Mm-hmm. But, well, Eric uh, Google tech is giant a tech Google, giant. Yeah. Eric. Don't Google Eric, by the way. <laughs> Okay, and Tesla's blog to say that it plans to test about two hundreds of, of its own self, two seat self driving cars. I'm so excited about this. <laughs> yeah, this is right up the Robot Alley. We've talked. <laughs> robot Alley is a great name for the next street in Port Townsend. Robot Alley is the great name for the diplomatic smackdown battles in <laughs> <laughs> Star Trek. <laughs> Oh, man. I'm so stoked on this, though. Um, Quote, we've been working towards the goal of vehicles that can shoulder the entire burden of driving, Mm -hmm. uh, the company wrote. They will take you where you want to go at the push of a button, and that's an important step towards improving road safety and transforming mobility for millions of people, end quote. Let's do it. The main goal of the tidy gumdrop-shaped cars isn't to push Google into the business of building cars. Duh. Instead... Uh, the company wants to develop self-driving software that will improve road safety and help people who can't drive. Yep. They keep pushing this, like, help people who can't drive, improve road safety, mm-hmm. great. Right. But what I'm excited about is getting people to fucking be able to move. <laughs> oh, yeah, traffic, dude. Traffic! Yeah. Think about it. You're at a stoplight. You know, there's ten cars in front of you. The light turns green. That person wakes up, starts rolling. The next yeah. person doesn't start rolling until they started rolling. The next person behind them doesn't start rolling until the second person started rolling. Robot cars, all of them sync together, working at once. That light turns green. All, the entire uh, lane full mm-hmm. of cars can start moving at the same instant, accelerating at yeah. the same time. It's going to be beautiful. I can't wait. It's going to save so much time and energy and manpower and fuel. Well, not to mention the cars will talk to the streetlights so that you can have uh, the streetlights all tuned to actual traffic. They know how many cars are three blocks away yes. in either direction so they can adjust to that. It's wonderful. Everything is done so stupidly now and yeah. humans are so unreliable oh and out of it. Just everyone's out of it. Very interesting thing this week, traveling six hours uh, either way to Bend, Oregon and back. Uh, right. One thing in Oregon, they are really good at staying to the right, except to pass. Oh, really? Yeah, that once, doesn't happen here. Once you get in the I-5 corridor, baby, Western Washington, I, t- I talked to a friend who recently went on a countrywide road trip, and he said Western Washington is one of the only places where everybody only shoots for the left lane. Like everybody, and that's one of the major things that causes traffic is unnecessary lane changes. Right? Yeah, people are all over the place over here. Not with to their mention lane action. This dude, I, we stopped in Portland for lunch each way, and this dude, as we we're coming out of Portland, almost straight up wrecked our entire car. <laughs> really? Yeah, I don't know what he was doing, but like 
came up on my left, passing me on the left, as as you are supposed to do, right? In the left-hand lane, and then but got about halfway up my car, and then just decided he's coming in my lane. No oh, blinker. really? Yeah. Like, straight up, cross the line. Like, I freaking, I had to hit the brakes and slam on the horn for him to realize that I was fucking there. I don't wow. understand. It's not like I was in his blind spot. He literally came up behind me. <laughs> he forgot. Yeah. It yeah, was... this is, humans should not be trusted to drive. We're no. stupid monkeys. Today, Awful. actually, that's funny, because today, I'm leaving work. I, like, my work is situated on, like, probably the most dangerous intersection in my <laughs> small town. Like, uh-huh. I've seen multiple wrecks at that intersection since Jeez. I've been working there. I, it, for some reason, I mean, it's a, it's a four-way intersection. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. If you want to turn left, you have to yield on your green right. to people who are going forward through the intersection. Right. That's how the traffic laws work. <laughs> but for some reason, because like I work in the port, so I guess yeah. people think it's like a driveway or something. It kind of looks like a driveway. Yeah, a, li- a tiny bit. <laughs> a t- teeny tiny bit. People are like, oh, I can just turn left. Yeah. And there's big signs, must yield on right. on left turns. Right. And uh, I was just driving forward through the intersection, and this lady started, like, turning right towards me. <laughs> and I, I was like, go ahead and hit me. I don't care. <laughs> I was like, you're going to be paying for it. Yeah. And she had to, like, swerve out of the way to avoid hitting me because she was turning left. I was going forward. Yeah. But, yeah, humans are shitty drivers. Robots yeah. would rule at driving. Robots are real driving because they can't. Plus, they can't be impaired. Robots aren't going to be checking their cell phones. Robots aren't right. going to be uh, uh, trying to deal with kids in the back seat. Like, just let it happen, baby. Come on, what yeah. is the problem? Why uh, this is a? I think it's a major hurdle though here in America is that people are like, "Oh, I want to drive. I want to drive my car." I'm like, "Who wants to driving as a chore? Who wants to drive their car, dude? Who wants Ugh. to do that? I don't. I want to sit. I want to." Yeah. I don't watch X Files. Yes, exactly. Uh, like, I want to play Game Boy. If I could just get in my car and play Game Boy and then be at work, that that would rule. Well, I do take the bus. Yeah, Kinda there's that. no buses where I live. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, like, come on, dude. Nobody wants to drive, and like, okay, you can have like uh, driver roads. You could have p- places where people can actually drive their cars. You can have right. tracks that people can drive on if they really want to drive. But, dude, average people, I don't need a bunch of fucking 16-year-olds out on the roads learning how to drive. I got okay, a robot. Okay, you say 16. I'll take 16-year-olds to the 80-year-olds that I deal with on a daily basis. Well, yeah, either way. Either way. You know, I'm, so that, I'm with you. Yeah, the testing program will begin later this summer with a handful of primitive prototypes hitting the roads around Google's Mountain View headquarters sounds mm-hmm. not that kind of sounds like an evil like headquarters like a lair. Don't care, love it. Google Mountain View. Uh, the early builds will have manual controls for test drivers to override the car's autonomous driving system as required by current California law. But Google plans to build the bulk of the cars as fully autonomous, no steering wheel, no gas or brake pedal. Love it. So n- no override systems, which I say, clear it out. More room mm-hmm. for me to play magic cards and place my, you know, Kindle. Yeah. Um, inside will be a pair of seats with seatbelts, space for your belongings, buttons to start and stop, a screen showing where the car is going. 
California law is expected to allow the operation of such, such vehicles on public roads with a permit by the end of the year. <laughs> the cars were built with safety in mind. They have sensors that eliminate blind spots and look in every direction for more than 200 yards. The top speed of the first vehicles will be limited to 25 miles per hour, which is whack. That's super whack. That's so stupid. It can't yeah. go over 25 miles per hour. Once, he thinks, like, once these things solve traffic solve traffic we're all gonna be going 100 miles an hour wherever we want yes and they look in 360 degrees for over 200 <laughs> yards like it is impossible for the human to do that exactly it's safe it's infinitely more safe than mm-hmm. a, even the safest human right so they say two uh key obstacles stand in the way uh, costs and legislation. So apparently, truly autonomous cars could cost seven thousand to ten thousand more than their manual counterparts. Mm-hmm. Turn them into taxis, pays for itself. Right. Uh, when they hit the market in twenty twenty, and probably will be available only as luxury models to begin with, which is uh, kind of weird. That's whack. I want the economy one, please. Come on, and U.S. laws have a lot of catching up to do. Currently, only four states allow autonomous vehicles. California, Nevada, Michigan, and Florida. Dude, you know Washington's going to jump on that shit. Uh, Washington, Colorado, you're gonna better be, be up there for the fucking, mobiles. You're going to be smoking a blood riding around <laughs> in an autonomous car while getting gay married. It's going to be the best thing well, ever. That's the thing, though. Those that do uh, require, uh, those that do allow it, require a licensed sober driver to be in the driver's seat at all times, ready and willing to assume control of the vehicle. And that's why I'm. Really, what I'm excited for mm-hmm. are the ones that you can't manually override. Yeah, Washington's going to be on top of that shit. You know it. Yeah. You can't legalize weed and not have sober <laughs> drivers in autonomous cars. Come on. <laughs> That's just true. It's a hot box. It's a hot box. Hot box on wheels, baby. <laughs> the hot wheels. The hot wheels. The hot wheels of uh, weed tour. Green tour in Seattle. Yeah, man. I just think this could be this could be the greatest thing to happen to us in our generation. Dude. I feel like if these things actually are released in 2020, like, come on, dude. Like, so much better for everyone. You know what I think they should do? They go pick your kids up from school. They drive your 80-year-old uh, grandma mm-hmm. around. I got, they I allow got you to go out to the clubs at night and have fun. They allow you to do work on your way to work or play DS on the way to work. Right. Like, they allow you to take a six-hour road trip and... Watch a movie on the way instead of yeah, almost getting into so an accident. Nice. Yes. Well, it's like, like fatigue drivers are the most dangerous thing ever. Right. Like people who are have road exhaustion. So mm-hmm. eliminate that completely. So I got two things. One thing, taxi services would become so much cheaper. Honestly, I could see a future where the average American doesn't own an automobile. Yeah. Because. Uh, an entrepreneur could buy a fleet of these self-driving cars. Yep. You would just need some sort of security system to make sure people don't fuck them up. Well, you just have an app. I mean, it's car to go, but without the driving. Right. And yeah. you, you could just like, you know hit it. They'll be like, we'll be there in seven minutes. Yep. And then you get in, you get out. You, and imagine a taxi service where you don't have to play, pay for a fleet of drivers. Exactly. You well, don't have to pay him that fifteen dollar minimum wage. <laughs> well, I mean, it's crazy because, like, I mean, one thing is the taxis are going to be super gross because a lot of people are going to be having sex in these things. Uh, yeah, there's there's got to be like some sort of camera. Yeah, you're on. You just got to hire one guy with like a a bank of cameras, and then there's like an automatic like mace. 
like a like <laughs> no, this just, hand comes it's just a down spray with a bottle. Mask like, it's like a, it's like a spray bottle you use on dogs. Like yeah, exactly. Squirt it. Bring it up. <laughs> I will mace okay. you. Or actually, they could just have like a UV sanitizer every time you get in and out of the car. Right? They have like those future toilets that they yeah, have. Exactly. But here, here's what I think they should do to really win over popular opinion for this. Okay. We had Watson on Jeopardy. Yeah. We need robot car in NASCAR. Love it. We need a self-driving car that can win NASCAR. <laughs> Dude, I don't like Watson for Jeopardy. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you could have an autonomous AI that you can chat with. Oh. Uh, well, you could have that too. Yeah. Would you I'm like saying, trivia? I'm trying to win over popular opinion. To, <laughs> I don't think to that... speed up the uh, pardon the pun yeah. the time it takes for Americans to embrace the idea of self-driving cars. How do you do that? I don't think we that need the... a superstar racer. We need the <laughs> Jeff Gordon of robots. I don't think that uh, win- a robot winning NASCAR is going to win over a lot of NASCAR fans. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think that just getting your getting your grandma in the car is going to do it. <laughs> Get your grandma in a Google car. Grandma Get your granny in a Google car. Yeah. Have you seen the picture of these cars? No. Oh, man, they look stupid. <laughs> <laughs> they look really bad, but I kind of love it. Dude, it's, if you want to win... They're doing the smart car approach where it's like so stupid that you have to be smart. <laughs> Well, the I think what they should do if they want to win over the NASCAR crowd, just make them all Corvettes. It's just a Corvette that you have to have a robot drive. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there's all sorts of things you could do. Yeah. I mean, I live in a town. Seattle is like Tesla-ville. Like, these <laughs> things are going to be driving all over Seattle as soon as they're released. Right. Like, there are so many freaking Teslas in this city. Yeah. Um. With Amazon and Microsoft, like it's just like Teslaville. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but yeah, I'm excited, dude. I can't wait. Like I, the first time that I get to ride in a self driving taxi, I'm gonna be so freaking stoked. Yeah, it's gonna rule. It's gonna be I, awesome. I'm all for it. Humans are super dangerous behind the wheel. They're the worst. It's been proven. They're literally the worst drivers. Cannot Hum- be trusted. Humans are statistically the worst drivers. <laughs> All the animals of, that drive. Of all the animals that drive, they are the worst. Which is insane. Yeah. Like, your dad There's sent you that... There's less fatalities every year because of a Doberman pincher behind the wheel. Yeah, your dad sent you that chain email with the dog and the steering wheel. That guy did better than you on his mm-hmm. driving test. It's true. He aced it. Mm-hmm. He's got his license. <laughs> Both kinds. <laughs> all right well let's uh let's move on but before we do we want to tell you about the bald move podcast network guys so much stuff going on right now we just had the uh season the last final season part one of Mad Men. um aaron and gino are wrapping that up for you right now uh but they're also got these guys are so many freaking tv podcasts we got game of thrones we have um uh what is this? Met Bald Move TV podcast, Metalocalypse, the Doomstar Requiem, a clock opera is now up there on Bald Yeah, that's part of their uh, crowdsourcing campaign. Oh, awesome. You could fund them to do a podcast on a different show, so they, <laughs> they did a Metalocalypse one. That's awesome. Which is funny, because they are, as far as I know, not Metalocalypse guys. I could be wrong. Well, they have two podcasts on it right now, so check that out. 
They also have 24, an unofficial podcast uh, covering the new 24 season, the miniseries. Uh, like I said, they got Fargo, they have Game of Thrones, and uh, Mad Men is wrapping up. They're, they're hitting on all cylinders, but we've also got the Because Show. We've got Up Yours Downstairs, uh, and we're on there as well. Check out BallMove.com, guys, and you can click on the support button at the top of the page to find out how to support those dudes. Um, also, get in touch with us, uh, personalarrogance at gmail.com if you want to send us an email or a bracket, uh, 360-362-0024 to leave us a voicemail, at Personal Podcasts on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're at the Bald Move Facebook page. We are also on the Personal Arrogance Facebook page. And uh, and then you can also rate and review us on iTunes, guys. That helps us out a ton. If you haven't done that already, please take three minutes. Rate and review us on iTunes. It helps us out so much. It makes this Personal Arrogance Nation a little bit bigger. Also, if you are uh, on a panel at a comic uh, convention about podcasts, please mention us. Yeah. That would be awesome because that's called word of mouth. And if you can't do anything else, just word of mouth it. We really appreciate it all. Uh, but mm-hmm. if you are on our Facebook page, guys, and there, this Facebook thing is blowing up. I predict that this Facebook thing will be very big in, in uh, very soon. Um, they should buy some sort of like virtual reality headwear so you can do it all the time man don't get ahead of yourself um but we do i will do that in my google car (laughs) we do yeah exactly uh yeah it's like oh you're driving uh to downtown how about you're driving through the sonoran desert that will be funny when people are in their autonomous cars playing grand theft auto on their oculus (laughs) wrist I love it. Anyway, each week we're on Facebook and we say, hey, we're recording. What do you want us to talk about? And you tell us and we talk about it. First of all, Rob Zip says, thanks for calling your listeners friends instead of fans. I was on a podcast panel and mentioned that sort of thing and it got some other podcasters panties in a jumble. That's weird. That is weird. You guys are our friends. I think one thing that we've tried to do since the beginning of the show is to make it your show as the right. listener. So you you let us know what you want us to talk about. We talk about it. You call us. We put you on the podcast. This is your show, guys. You are our friends. And if you're in Seattle, give us a call and we'll hang out with you. That's it. That's the deal, bros. All right. Uh, Jason says, board games are always a welcome topic. I think we covered that. Uh, Jason says, I also heard that Wizards announced D&D 5 will be free to play levels 1 through 20. (laughs) Yeah, I don't get this. Is that for reals? I thought that was a joke. (laughs) Oh, Okay, it must be a joke. Yeah, I think it's like a joke for like free-to-play RPGs. Uh, okay, gotcha. It's also free-to-play if your friend buys the books. It's also free-to-play if... Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Moving right. ahead. Moving ahead. Jonathan says, What are your top three ninja movies of all time? Mine are number three, Beverly Hills Ninja, number two, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, original, and number one, Three Ninjas. I'm yeah, I, I was going to say Three Ninjas. I... Uh- I'm gonna say or ninja Kung, movies. I'm gonna say Kung Pao Enter the Fist. Yeah, that's kind of uh, ninja esque. There is a ninja type of thing going on there. I like the Ninjago series. Well, there you go. Just Ro- kidding, I don't. Rolo's got uh, some input here. He says Thunder Ninja Kids: The Hunt for the Devil Boxer. It is a real show, and uh, oh, and also there's Solar Roadways, which would go great with your Google Car. I'm more of a, a samurai guy than a ninja guy, to yeah, be perfectly honest. Absolutely. We'll get to that in a little later. That actually ties into a later Facebook roundup topic. Ollie says, Edgar Wright leaving Ant-Man. I think this is uh, a good thing because I think it probably left for the right reasons. I th- And that's a pun intended, I suppose. Edgar Wright is... <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, you know, Edgar Wright, I, I liked... I really liked the movie Scott Pilgrim, um, but... I like him. I, I want him to do original stuff. I like his original stuff. Um, so 
if he doesn't end up doing one of the Star Wars original spinoffs, I would love to see him uh, just see what he has to do next with Simon Pegg and, and make an awesome movie. Justin says, I want to know what you think about spaghetti westerns. This ties into the samurai thing. Do you find it interesting that some of the characters are the same in Fistful of Dollars, A Few Dollars More, and The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, even though the names are different? If you haven't, watch these films and tell us what you think. Clint Eastwood goes by Joe, Monco, Blondie, and more. What are, are they the same person? I think they're, they're like the stranger. Well, yeah, he's the man with no name. Exactly. These are not names he's given himself. These mm-hmm. are names other people call him by. Yeah, it's actually kind of similar to Fargo, I think. Yeah, I love Spaghetti Westerns. I know you specifically, do. Specifically, uh, Good, Bad, and the Ugly and uh, Fistful of Dollars. Yeah. Masterpieces. Yeah, in fact, GBU uh, is one of your favorite movies of all time, if I'm not mistaken. It's in top five for sure, maybe top Three? Yeah. Top three. Yeah, top three. Pretty damn good stuff. We love spaghetti westerns. And they're also tied into the board game Bang. I'm trying to get this whole thing wrapped up in a single thing. Uh, Josh says, The wife and I saw X-Men for a biannual trip to the movie. $16 well spent as far as we're concerned. However, if you feel you need strict continuity in a movie about time-traveling mutants fighting genocidal robots, as many have complained about, don't see this movie. I'm excited about it. I haven't seen it yet, but Aaron liked it, and uh, and also I love time travel. It's probably my favorite device in fiction, so mm. more of that. James says, well, you know, well, besides that, it's summer-ish. What are some summer beer recos? Uh, obviously, Twilight from the aforementioned uh, The Shoots. I like Ninkasi Spring Rain. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also one uh, that I really loved last year from terminal gravity they're uh they're out of oregon um and i'm trying to type it up right now because i can't remember what it's called yeah i'm trying to remember too i can't i cannot recall yeah i uh i'll, I'll get back to it but uh the terminal gravity summer seasonal but i do twilight summer ale you can't go wrong with it um, no that's always delicious yeah matthew says i've been listening for a few months now and i've noticed multiple references to akron ohio i was wondering if you guys love or hate akron uh, or maybe I'm just noticing that because I'm an Akronite also, I'd like to hear Eric try to make another animal noise. Uh, I just was mentioning Akron. I don't know anything about the city, but I know that the University of Akron is the Zips, is their mascot. And what? They're the Zips, and their mascot is a kangaroo. That's weird. Which is cool. Well, put a zipper on that pouch. <laughs> I think Akron just comes up because it's one of those great city names. Yeah. Akron, Ohio. It's right. like Walla Walla, Washington, mm-hmm. or um, Albuquerque. You know, it's just one of those great city names. Toledo is up there too. Yeah, the t- both in Ohio, but and Akron. Ohio has some strong names. I mean, it's Akron. Insane. It was it lended itself so well to a Chronicon the Arcane, who is my evil sorcerer in my D and D campaign. Right. So, um, Weed Whacker is, by the way, the name of the Terminal Gravity Summer Ale. Really good session out four point six. It is mm. a delicious, delicious. No, beer. no, it's great. Is check out the Sod Slayer from uh, <laughs> Rainy Days here in Silverdale, Washington. <laughs> Limited distribution, but quite good. Is that is that a real beer? Yeah, <laughs> they probably tried to name it Weed Whacker, then it was already taken. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You'd have to ask Mike Monstoni. Also, an animal noise, Jesse. Give me an animal. Uh, narwhal. 
Pretty good. Matthew says, I've been listening for a few months now, and I've noticed... Oh, that's the one I just read. Justin says, at Oktoberfest without beer, worse than a punch in the face? Obviously, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah I'll, a- I'll take a... I will easily take a punch in the face to be able to provide beer to a Oktoberfest. Yes! And this... So this is in Utah. Apparently, they're clamping Sh- down... Shocking. They're cramping... They're clamping down on uh, on uh, single-event liquor sales. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, in a country that's founded by Puritans, this is a state that's founded by Puritans. Um, Double Puritans. I'm not sure if they were the Puritans. They're basically Puritans. <laughs> okay. I just Historically speaking, I think there's a difference. All right. Eric says... Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to read that one. Sean says, my the wife... answer is Eric. <laughs> my wife does not want to move to Washington because she is deathly scared of an impending volcanic disaster. <laughs> Please tell me what you know about this and if it's really something to be scared of. I would be lying if I said it's not a risk factor for sure. Mount Rainier is the largest volcano in the lower 48. Mm-hmm. And well, uh, it's an active volcano that is... as uh, Every geologist I've talked to is like, oh yeah, it's due. It's past due, actually. It's past due. Yeah. And like, I mean, 1980, you have Mount St. Helens... Uh, yeah. Just don't live on Mount Rainier and you're probably fine. Well, um, I mean, the other part about this is that there's geological evidence that the last time that Mount Rainier blew up, it pushed lahars uh, that were, and a lahar is a giant mudslide, lahars that were like over 100 feet deep down the Puyallup Valley all the way to Seattle. Nice. So it's not going to empty, it's not going to hit like, downtown seattle or north it's going to empty into elliott bay if it follows a traditional track but basically yeah a hundred plus foot mudslide is due to also ravage the entire puyallup river valley so don't settle in puyallup yeah um also (laughs) in in short your wife is actually right but the other part about it is like they they knew that mount st helens was going to erupt it had eruption like it's not like an earthquake that happens randomly like uh, earthquake or volcanoes you can kind of predict when they're about to happen so they'll be able to evacuate you so that's a plus side i guess did i tell have i talked on this podcast about the time i was uh observing mount st helens while it was erupting dude you weren't even alive not in 1980 uh-huh this was when i was in community college because remember oh it's in- steaming it's venting yeah there was there's that period of little yeah. eruptions going on yeah I was on a field trip to Mount St. Helens <laughs> right when that started. And there was like all this activity and like everyone started running to the windows and there was like the plume coming up from there. Yeah. And uh, we were on that ridge. I can't remember what it's called, but it's named after the guy that died there last time it blew. Yeah. Yeah. The one guy, there was one dude who died when Mount St. Helens blew up because yeah. he, he refused to leave his cabin. Yeah. Yeah. He he was on that ridge, and like so, like it, this was before like there was that much activity going on there. Yeah, I got to like, see uh... like an actual like plume of volcanic smoke <laughs> come out of a volcano. Everybody's which like, was cool. uh, guys, is this? Is I was okay? fine. I was like, oh, this no, is kind of cool. Okay. You're a child. You have no fear of death. <laughs> well, Maybe. I was in college. But you know, there's we got volcanoes, we got earthquakes. Uh... But here, the the funny thing about this story was that uh, the the bus driver was like freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> he like wanted everyone to get on the bus <laughs> to get out of there. <laughs> he was so 
freaking terrified. And everyone else was like, yeah, it's whatever. It's just doing his thing. But he was like, yeah, I want to go. We should go. Oh, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. We got one more here. Uh, so what? We're like two months. Uh, Michael says we're two months away from the arrogant move fantasy football league. You bet we are. Uh, that you will be bet happening you guys are once again, Jesse. It fantasy football rules. It's boring. I hate it. Right. I don't want to do it. Fine. Aaron and I will just battle it out in the championship once more. Go for it. All right. Well, that's all of our feedback for this week. It's time for uh, recommendations. Jesse, what's your first reco? Uh, my first, I've recommended it before, I'm sure. Mystery Science Theater 3000, the mm-hmm. episode Werewolf. <laughs> Do it. The other night, I was staying up late. I was a little buzzed. I was like, I'm just going to throw this on and like, I'll go to bed when I start getting bored. Watch the entire show. I was like, this rules. Love, <laughs> love this it. show. This is so funny. <laughs> awesome. Uh, my first record this week, I've been pouring through HBO Go and uh, Veep, dude. Veep is a great show. Stars yeah, Julia I gotta watch that. It's pretty funny. It's, it's not like the greatest show, but it is a great time passer. I enjoy it very much. Veep. Right. Uh, so my second reco is like Dungeons and Dragons, like I have here written D&D with like 12 Ds. There you go. I've been having so much fun with it. I can't wait to play the next campaign, guys. And we might have a very interesting uh, celebration for our 200th episode that might involve a little D&D. So stay tuned for that. And uh, my second reco this week is going to be... Oh, I already did it. It's the Trees of Doom. <laughs> God damn it. I wish the shoots would put this in the production. Dunkel Vicence, guys. Dunkel Vicence. It's a cool style. I love them. I could. I would like to. I would definitely like more domestic craft breweries to do them because, honestly, I've gotten some bad like optimators uh-huh. and celebrators. Mm-hmm. Just because you never know. Like you go to the Safeway, right. it could be sitting on the shelf for like two plus months, just getting oxidized. Right. So definitely get the Deschutes one as you're suggesting. Or yeah, or if you're at a uh, you know Prost here, it's German bar in Seattle. German bars usually have uh, some kind of Dunkelweizen on tap. Great yeah. place to get them. Um, so please, guys, Dunkelweizen. So that's called bookending. That's the end of the show. Jesse, thanks so much for talking to me again. Thank you. And uh, listener, until next week, remember that wherever you go, whatever you do, please stay, stay Aragon. arrogant. <laughs> Boo, <laughs> boo,